0: What's up you creepy fucks? It's your boy BP and welcome to the newest episode of the Let's Talk Horror Channel podcast. So it's fucking Christmas on its way. We are knee deep in Christmas spirit and feelings and we're nearly there. So why wouldn't we do a podcast like a Christmas special podcast of what I think is one of the best Christmas movies ...that you can watch, especially in regards to a horror Christmas movie. I know some people out there might not think it is one, but I don't give a fuck, it is a Christmas movie. So, we're going to get talking about The Gremlins. So, Gremlins, the classic thrill ride of slimy, ugly bastards out to ruin your Christmas and fuck up your workplace with the exception of one super cute little bugger who if you think about it he may be the worst one of them all so let's talk about the classic gremlins released in 1984 directed by the amazing joe dante and of course presented to us by another legend Mr. Steven, I do fucking everything Spielberg. This is undoubtedly an all-round classic movie and one enjoyed by horror fans, fans of film in general and families all around the world for many, many years and will do so, as far as I'm concerned, for the rest of time. This was a film that was more technically advanced than seen at the time before and a film that cinematically looks, feels and sounds the part from start to finish. It gives you all you could hope for in this beautifully dark and at sometimes horrific, but for the most part, family-loved movie. The film is set at Christmas and centres around a family whose dad inventor of all shit household and travel items, who, to be honest, gets an A for effort, steals a mogwai from this super cool dude who has already basically told him to piss off once. But as they say, great power comes great responsibility. And needless, needless to say... They all fuck this up in this movie. We've got sexy boy Billy and he falls in love with this little mogwai named Gizmo. Who is cute as fuck and is loved by all, including Corey Feldman, who once again is one of the most definitive movies of the eighties. I mean this guy can literally die happy knowing that you know how many you know influential and incredible films he's been in And he probably walks around his house like dick swinging all day. I mean, I know I would if I was Corey the Feldman Feldman. But anyways, at this point, we know three rules to abide by. One, never expose them to sunlight. Two, never get them wet. Three, never ever feed them after midnight. But guess what? That obviously doesn't fucking happen, does it? So after we spent a little bit of time with Gizmo being such a fucking handsome little gent, we meet the amazing characters of the movie, including Judge Reinhold being an utter prick, the legendary Dick Miller. You know, one thing I can say with Joe Dante and his movies and his directing is that the characters and the casting is always spot on. And this is also seen in any of his other movies. But this film is no exception. So Gizmo, he gets wet and shit. And he's, he's literally popping out these little fuckers left, right and centre. But unfortunately, fluffy face gizmo, they are not. Led by the badass stripe, they bully the fuck out of poor little gizmo. And after tricking time and eating some greasy as fuck chicken, they have a little bit of hibernating into some gross looking eggs that are definitely, definitely not a rip off from Alien in any way. And they wreak havoc on the town that was also used to make Back to the Future. We all know what's seen in Back to the Future with the clock tower and that. Well that's in Gremlins and it seems to be in every other film from the 80s and 90s as well. But anyway they go around and having a good jolly old time being hilarious but murderous bastards. At some point they go for a lovely swim and multiply like fuck and take over the town. And mischievous delights are at hand as they go on a rampage destroying homes and lives and getting fucked up in bars and fall in love with Disney movies. You know, it it truly is a sight most eyes had never seen before back in 84, but what a time they must have had. The climax of the film is masterful, with an edge-in-your-seat standoff with Billy, Stripe, and the hero Gizmo, you know, who passes his driver's test super quick to ultimately fail to drive into Stripe, but helps unleash the sunlight and fry his stripe. Um, you know, and he melts into this fucking weird goops all over and it bubbles, and then the dog shits himself. Um, and then we have a happy ending. Well, I mean, like, fuck, do we? Because the cool dude from earlier, he comes back and he takes Gizmo away, basically calling them a bunch of fuckwits, you know, for, for stealing it and for what they've done. But maybe one day, Billy, you have your own Gizmo, you big fucking loser. And then obviously he fucks right off, and that's the end of the movie. So that's basically the Gremlins movie. But sort of let's get into some of the details about this masterpiece and behind the scenes and all that shit. So back in 84, technology was evolving, especially in regards to what they could do in the movies. And upon release, Gremlins was at the forefront of this. Special effects legend Chris Wallace created the incredible look and the animatronics for the movie. With so many limitations and difficulties along the way. But I'm sure you can agree the work paid off because still to this day they look fantastic and they are still to this day making serious banks through toy lines and other merch. But in regards to the movie industry helped create the future of animatronics as we know them and have been replicated in so many different films because it's monumental achievement. Joe Dante got the gig pretty much from his previous work on Howling and The Twilight Zone. But after a slight lull in his career, the master, Mr. Spielberg himself, hired him anyways. And it's lucky he did, because like I mentioned earlier, his attention to making fully fleshed characters in in his movies, you know, that feel real in, you know, sort of some very real, well, unreal environments, has always been a strong point and really makes Gremlins a stronger film for it. He's also had to work hard keeping a lot of scenes in the movies, like the awkward Phoebe Kate scene that we all know what one I'm talking about, you know, when she's talking about her dead dad and so on. But, you know, it's always a bit odd no matter how many times I see it. But he had to fight hard to keep that in. So I'm guessing whatever Joe Dante wants, he gets. The look of the film is fantastic. It really, it really nails scene by scene what it's trying to achieve you know, and it has some really beautiful shots in it, even though most are gross looking, but shows the difference between a director and a magician man who directs gold. The music is wonderfully created by the legendary Jerry Goldsmith and did a great job of really adding to the playfulness of the movie and helping you understand what type of film you're watching. You know, it's perfect for this movie and the main theme remains recognisable and enjoyable to this day. And every time I hear it, You know, it just makes me want to watch the film. So, the film was made for 11 million and was a critical and financial success, making by now over 200 million. With modern day reviews, it stands at 85% on Rotten Tomatoes, which, you know, is how we all decide to watch things, you know, in this future that we're in now, right? But really does stand way above in all areas of all other films that came out after. Trying to make bank on the success of this classic. The work that went into this film, you know, is is can be unparalleled in so many different ways. And as I said, it has been tried to be matched at so many different times after the release of this film by so many different movies, but none of them managed to do it. And that's why, as I say, this film is a classic, because it stands at the forefront of what type of film it is and what it tried to achieve and what it did achieve is a masterpiece so here's some hot juicy facts all about gremlins one because the animatronics were so expensive the cast and the crew had to have daily contents and car searches to ensure that they weren't robbing them two it was the first amblin produced movie to show the now iconic amblin logo three So the reason Gremlins is set at Christmas and is 100% a Christmas movie was because the original release was actually set for the Christmas season. But Warner Brothers realised that they didn't have a summer release, so released it then. Which even though this film was a commercial success, this actually cost it making more bank at the box office. 4. Instead of the animatronics, they were actually thinking of dressing up trained monkeys to play the Gremlins. 5. Because of the Gremlins... The PG-13 rating was created. And six, weird man Tim Burton was originally going to direct the movie after his successful Frankenweenie short. But the studio thought against it as his inexperience worried them to direct a full feature. But after all this hard work and success, you know, this movie's had since 84 and all through the years, how do I feel about Gremlins? So I remember being a kid, you know, and this being one of the first sort of horror films that I saw, you know, once again, drawn massively in by the VHS and the poster artwork, which still, you know, to this day looks incredible. But I remember the second I started watching it, I was hooked. You know, the look of the film, the music, the cute dog, you know, and then Gizmo came along and warmed my little heart. Before it turned black and the soul left my body, you know, and then you get the badass ones that look gross but fucking cool and edgy. And at the time, you know, I at the same time I still remember, you know, the wonder that I had seeing them for the first time and thinking that they were actually real, you know, and where the fuck did they get them from, <laughs> And, you know, and... And then checking the cupboards before going to bed every night for like a month. Just to make sure Stripe wasn't going to come out and smash my face in. You know, I mean, just think about some of the scenes in this movie and how they accomplished them. You know, you've got the hibernation eggs. You've got the kitchen disaster where, you know, things are going everywhere. And, you know, the actors are interacting with these animatronics, you know, and it just looks flawless, Uh, you know, you've got the Snow White scene where they're all in the cinema and it's just such a fun scene with all the different types of Gremlins that are there, all the different characters that are given them, you know, and then for the best for me, obviously in Gremlins, you've got the bar scene, you know, you've got like the smooth jazz one and the the Dead Bundy-esque one, you know, with the balaclava that goes to shoot Phoebe Cates and fucking, like, misses like mad, you know, and then you've also got obviously the classic flasher one. You know, this scene, for me, is my favorite in the movie, because of they let the Gremlins take over in so many times in this film, uh, you know at so many different points, and I'm so happy they did, because you know, there's so many different characters of, of these Gremlins that stand out, and you get to see so many different types of them that it's just so much fun to watch. You know, they're just basically there to fuck shit up and you're along with the ride. You know, this film truly is a classic, but I think it will go on forever being the film, you know, sort that will get passed down the family lines for generations, like it did to me, and like it is now for my daughter. You know, she loves this movie because it's like it's more like a family fun film with a dark undertone. There's a kid you don't really see. Because you're blinded by its brilliance, you know my kid, as I say, loves this movie, and that's you know that makes me proud, but knowing that this film is still around and respected the way that it is, you know still for me is what it deserves to be you know, and one thing I always remember as well is is all the merch which still continues to this day, and the foresight they had that Gizmo would become this money making cultural phenomenon. You know, that little bugger and the rest of the Gremlins gang had, you know, it sort of really paid off big time. That They thought ahead about, you know, not changing him. Because obviously originally Gizmo was actually going to not, you know, not be Gizmo. He was going to turn bad and turn into the Gremlins, you know, in their sort of final form. But they obviously thought against it. And, you know, because they saw the dollar bills, you know, which leads me into, you know, the one last thing I want to talk about. So in this landmark movie universe of Gremlins, surely if you look at it, Gizmo, now he's the real villain. So this little bastard, he knows what the fuck is going on. You know, he knows the rules and he knows what happens if you break them. As far as I'm concerned, he's damaged goods. You know, you if you see him in the movies, you know, every time shit goes down, he's like, You see the look on his eyes and he's like, oh, fuck, not this again. You know, he's locked up at the start of the film for a reason. You know, do we not question that? So when he gets out, you know, and he gets his chance, he makes no attempt to give a shit and stop all of this shit from happening. You know, I know at the end he saves the day. You know, he's going around in that car like he's the fucking, like, Kurgan from Highlander, you know, shouting, there can be only one... But if he gave a fuck, you know, and he didn't want this shit to happen, then if somebody tried to give him a glass of water or some food after midnight, he'd slap that shit out of their hands and tell them to get the fucking out of his face. But no, he wants to experience a human life, you know, for himself. But a life that little bastard is happy to destroy. So next time you watch Gremlins and think of how cute Gizmo is, you know, just think that if shit goes down, because he's pissed himself or something. Or eating a kernels after midnight. Or tried taking selfies too much and left a flash on. Just think that when he's all and said and done. He'd rather be reading a comic and humming that little tune. Or getting ready for a beauty pageant somewhere. Or doing anything before you take your last dying breath. Because quite honestly he couldn't give a fuck. You can see it in his eyes. So as I said earlier I chose to do Gremlins. You know, for this episode, because Christmas Day is vastly approaching us. And, you know, if you haven't seen Gremlins before, now is your chance. It's genuinely an incredible movie with everything you need. You know, if you've seen it, as you know, as much as I have, then see it again and again. Because this film never, ever gets old. And never stops amusing its audiences from start to finish. You know... There is, there is a reason it's still so loved today. And there's a reason why we still go back to it. And it makes us remember the childhood we had with these twats fucking shit up. You know, and I 100% blame Stripe, as much as I do, Zach Morris and Johnny Lawrence. As the reason I grew up the little rebel and absolute badass I did and obviously still continue to be. You know, this film is a Christmas classic and if you don't think it is a Christmas movie then you need to get your fucking shit sorted out and you know get it to fuck together because it is it is a Christmas movie and just because it's not a family friendly you know sort of movie uh you know it doesn't mean that it's not a Christmas movie because it is it's all about it it has so many scenes about it it has the music from it and it gives me the same sort of feeling as it does if I was watching something like Home Alone But if you take the whole Christmas side out of it, this film gives you everything. And as you can tell, I love it. And if I didn't, I wouldn't be doing a whole fucking podcast about it. But it is directed amazingly. The music works perfectly for it. The special effects are unlike anything I had seen back then. And they still look amazing now. And if they decide that they want to make a new Gremlins with all this fucking CGI shit. And, you know, they're going to look dead behind the eyes where, the you know, like I said, the ones in these movies, you know, they look real. And when you're a kid, you genuinely think they are real. So, you know, you're thinking, where the fuck did they find them? Like I said, but it's just such a good movie. Taking the Christmas stuff, as I say, away from it. It is a masterpiece and it is a really good gateway horror for for kids because there's not too much, but it's all fun, you know, and so much of the horror elements are taken away in favour for just having a laugh. So, yeah, I love this movie and this has always been one of the podcasts I wanted to do was about this film because it means so much to me and I know through the conversations that I've had, it means so much to you all as well. So as I say, you've got to see it again if you haven't. And I hope, and I'm sure it is, it's on so many of your lists. But so, you know, the next time that your air conditioner goes on the fritz, or your washing machine blows up, or your video recorder conks out, before you call the repairman, turn on all the lights, check all the closets and the cupboards, Look under all the beds, because you never can tell there might just be a gremlin in your house. So there you have it. There's me talking a load of shit about one of my favourite films in an absolute Christmas classic, Gremlins. So next... I was going to, I'm basically going to do something that I didn't get to do on the last episode. I mean, I hadn't seen it then anyway, but I didn't bother doing one because the last episode, if you haven't heard it, and I hope you have. And if not, go and listen to it and the one before that. And then 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 that might be it. But there might be one more before that. So basically, go and listen to all of the podcast episodes because, you know, they're all really good. Um, but. Um, yeah, on the last episode, all about the Evil Dead movies, because I had four movies to talk about. Um, I couldn't fit a review in, or I could have, but I couldn't be bothered. So on this one, where I'm just talking about the one film, Gremlins, I'm going to add a review. So um, here at the Let's Talk Horror channel, we do have a YouTube uh, channel where I add my reviews. And the reviews I do are all going to be about um, new movies Um that I've seen recently. Um, but I'm not going to have time to do one about this film that I'm going to review on here. So that's why I'm doing it for the podcast. So I'm going to review for you The Prisoners of the Ghostland. In the treacherous frontier city of Samurai Town. A ruthless bank robber played by Nicholas Cage gets sprung from jail by a wealthy warlord. Whose adopted granddaughter has gone missing. He offers the prisoner his freedom in exchange for retrieving the runaway. Strapped into a leather suit that will self-destruct in five days, the bandit sets off on a journey to find a young woman and his own path to redemption. So that sort of gives you an understanding of like what what the movie is. I think if you go to Google and you do what I've just did, it's you know, the synopsis that they give to some of the films are fucking hilarious because that sounds like like a normal film, and this is not a normal film. I mean, it's a Nicolas Cage film, so you know that it's not going to be normal. But it's, but it's really not. You know, it's six at four point two on IMDb, which is fucking bullshit. It, you know, it, it's, it shouldn't be like that though. Sixty two percent on Rotten Tomatoes. I can see why, because this film, like so many of Nicolas Cage films or films in general at the moment, they can be of an acquired taste. But I think that for me personally, that's way too low as well. But as I say, going back to the synopsis, you know, where it says like, you know, uh, he, you know, offers the prisoner his freedom in exchange for retrieving the runaway. You know, there is so many underlying factors is in the fact that like is the reason why she's a fucking runaway. Because, you know, there's so much weird shit that goes on in this film that, you know, it doesn't really tell you that in this synopsis. And then the bit that makes me laugh is strapped into a leather suit that will self destruct in five days. Basically, he's got explosion little things that are on his neck and his arms, like his elbows, and I don't know if there's on I can't remember if it's on his knees, but they're on his balls. So basically if he gets a boner, his ball explodes and it's so fucking funny. And that happens. Like, it's so funny. So, when you read these things on Google, like if it's horror film synopsis and, and you know, and stuff, you know, it, it's hilarious because it doesn't really give you an idea of what the film is. But it's a Nicolas Cage film. And so you know that it's going to be, you know, out of control at points and, and, you know, so fucking weird. Um, But Nicolas Cage is obviously, as we know, has had this sort of resurgence and, you know, within horror uh, as of recently and and you know i really I, i've never liked really nicholas cages and as an actor so much like face off things like that yeah it's a classic a lot of it suits him but he's one of those people that because of the way that he is he will sort of takes you out of the movie and what i love about the films that he's doing now is that he had that sort of lull in his sort of career and he's realized that he should embrace Nicolas Cage as Nicolas Cage and he's doing those sort of films that we want him to do and that sort of really happened when like with the incredible Mandy I mean that film is fucking amazing if you haven't seen Mandy you need to see it it's insane but then obviously he had uh what was the other one Willy's Wonderland he had that he'd done the recent Pig that also came out this year um and then he had the other one Colour Out of Space which is also really good Um, But they're all you know he's made them in a short sort of space of time but what I really like is not only are they very Nicolas Cage sort of movies that we would come to you know appreciate from him now but um, they're all different so you know that's something to really you know to be behind him for now and I really sort of happy he's embellishing this sort of Nicolas Cage way because we've got some really really good films out of it so far. Um, but in regards to prisoners of the Ghostland, um, it reminded me quite a bit uh, because of this sort of dystopian, uh, f- you know, future, so to speak, where, you know, uh, everything's destroyed and, and you know, where everyone's living off fucking beans or whatever they're living off. Um, you know, it reminded me of a, another incredible film, Turbo Kid, which once again, if you haven't seen it, you really need to. Um, you know, very low budget film with that looks visually amazing, um, loads and loads of really, you know, good gore and 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 kills and so on like that. Great characters you can get behind, and um and an absolutely amazing synth led soundtrack, very much like *Prisoners of the Ghostland*. Um, so yeah, *Turbo Kid* is amazing, but it sort of reminded me of that, but obviously with a slightly sort of different storyline. Um. There's some really good characters in this film. Nicolas Cage is Nicolas Cage in this film. And you sort of want more of that in this film. And to be honest, there's sometimes when he's around and a lot of it, he's sort of like lying on the floor passed out because of his bollocks exploded or something like that. But um, so sometimes he doesn't have uh, much to do in the film, which is probably a fault because, you know, you want him there to be. You know doing what he does best, but there's so many times like the way that he pronounces, you know, swear words and stuff like that, the way he's saying fuck and stuff like that, you know, it just comes out of nowhere, and that's you know what you've really come to expect from him, you know, throughout his career, you know, expecting the unexpected. But in these films like Prisoners of the Ghostland, um, it really, really works. For, you know for me and and stuff, so I really enjoyed his performance in it as usual as of recent um but yeah, he's really good um the soundtrack is fantastic, and as far as I'm aware, it is getting a release um on vinyl um I think possibly January so or very early next year, so if you've seen Prisoners of the ghostland, you like the soundtrack, make sure you get it um but yeah. But I think, you know, and there's some other really cool characters, some really good scenes. The fight scenes in it are actually really good. I think sometimes they're a bit short. Um, but in regards to it, obviously, you know, like I mentioned earlier, it's in Samurai City. Um, there's a lot of Samurais. <laughs> so um, and there's like a main guy who's like, you know, into obviously being sort of like the good guy and as well and helps Nicolas Cage in the film. Um but he he's really cool. But yeah, the fight scenes are, are really, really good. Um but for me, this is probably the for me the most visually stunning film of twenty twenty one. It is from the start to the end, visually stunning. It's like one of the films that I like a type of cinematography that I like is sort of like old school David Finch and stuff where every shot of the film you could pause it and it looks like a photograph and it doesn't matter whether it's like something like really gross looking or something that's like you know stunning looking you know that's what this film in so many scenes reminds me of you know the the director you know did such an amazing job of the look of the film that you know, it might have been a film that didn't have a massive budget because a lot of these films don't, but it's the way that they achieved it. And um that's the big standout for me from this film. And I know that doesn't really say much about whether the film's any good or not. Um but it's visually stunning. So as I say, this is probably the best looking film of twenty twenty one for me. So you should just see it along, you know, for the for the you know, for that reason alone. But as a film, I genuinely really enjoyed it. It deserves way more credit than what it gets because it is what it is and it knows what it's trying to achieve and what it is trying to be. And it knows it has Nicolas Cage at the wheel. You know, there's a bit where they give him like this, like for, you know, for this dystopian time, this, you know, super sort of car and he like sort of drives off in it. And then like 30 seconds later, he like in front of everyone. He gets out of it and then gets on this like pink bike and rides off. And you know everybody's looking at him instead of thinking he's an idiot. They're like he's an absolute fucking badass. So it's oh, it's such a funny film in points, and that's all driven through Nicolas Cage's performance. So yeah, Prisoners of the Ghostland, visually stunning, really funny, really well driven by Nicolas Cage again. Fight scenes are really good, and an amazing soundtrack. Um, I think the reviews don't do it enough justice but I do think that this type of film, like so many, um, you have to have that sort of way of looking at movies to enjoy it, you know, it's a very uh, creatively different type of film and tonally different type of film than, you know, than sort of the usual sort of action horrors that you might get out there, so yeah. I would definitely recommend Prisoners of the Ghostland. So that is my review of Prisoners of the Ghostland. As you can tell, I enjoyed it. As I say, it's visually stunning. And I think you should watch it and make your own decision of the movie. If you think it's shit, you think it's shit. If you like it, which I hope you do, uh, then let me know. So yeah, that's, that's pretty much my review. But as usual on these podcasts, I like to talk about all the social media side. Um, so as you know, quite recently, we put up a new YouTube channel. If you're not subscribed, please do so. Um, I'm posting up anything that I think you guys will all like if it's horror related. And I'm putting up video reviews. I would like to have done a video review for Prisoners of the Ghostland. But it's Christmas. And I don't have the time. I have a cat, I've I've got family and a cat for fuck's sake. So there's no time for me to do any of that shit. So uh, as much as I would have liked to have done it as a video review. I don't have the time. So that's why I added it onto this. And made it a little bit longer than usual. Uh, so yeah subscribe to the YouTube channel. Um, and then the other big thing. Which is what we use as our main platform really. For updating you with all the information about the let's talk horror channel is instagram i have so much fun on instagram because of the uh, interactions i get to have with you all over the world talking about horror one of the things i love doing is our monthly um instagram lives which i will be doing um this month still even though it's christmas i'm still going to do the instagram live because the last one we had was so much fun and somehow we got onto the topic of Home Alone even though it's like a horror related um podcast and, and channel but we got on talking about Home Alone and how basically the jigsaw is a grown up Kevin McAllister who never got out of wanting to torture people so much and obviously, you know, got got ill and so on and i said like how amazing in store would it be that if you zoom in on like the medical records that he has when you find out you know jigsaw's ill if it said like kevin McAllister, like how funny would that be if it turned out that that was like an easter egg that it was him but yeah it just took a it keeps on taking a massive turn these instagram lives that i really enjoy i love answering your questions i love having conversations with all these amazing horror fans Um, so if you haven't joined in on one make sure you do and as I say I will be doing one this month as well but one of the big things that we always do on Let's Talk Horror um, and one of the things I really enjoy because I I personally enjoy hearing them is that we do a segment called Your First Time and that is where I ask you to give me your stories of your first time watching or You know, relating to anything that was your first time with a horror movie. Um, So I've got some of those responses here. So, to start us off, uh, we got a message from Dead Meat Pete. If you haven't heard of Dead Meat Pete before on Instagram, uh, you can follow them on there. But what they are is it's sort of like a story based podcast all sort of horror and fiction i am sort of two episodes in there's been two episodes so far um and i'm really enjoying it so i'm looking forward to a third but anyway they were nice enough to share their first um time that they can remember with a horror uh and they put um the cat's eye movie and said the little goblin guy had them sleeping in their parents room for months um yeah i mean you know cat's eyes probably pretty freaky and goblins so I can understand where you're coming from but once again you know I love hearing these stories because you know that the horror is you know horror films are the ones that you remember and they're the ones that you remember from childhood and they are sort of these memories are the reasons as to why we grow up hating horror and have a fear for them or we grow up enjoying them and continue to watch them and continue to enjoy them. Um, and watching them young, I think, does help you along that journey. Or you can just flat out fucking hate them and never want to see them again. So, yeah, that was our little sort of um, memory, first memory that we got from Dead Me Pete. Um, we also got one from Vaughn Strocity. Also, I'm awful at... Um, pronouncing people's Instagram names and anything like that. So I'm sorry if I do get it wrong. Um, But Vaughnstrosity, they put that they uh, accidentally found Jeepers Creepers and Sky Movies back in the day and uh, getting the life scared out of the little me. Yeah, Jeepers Creepers is a good film and I can definitely see where it's like a, you know, one of those sort of old school monster movies in a way. Um, I can definitely see why... Um, People would be free to out as a kid uh, watching those. Um, and then we've also got from uh, Anastasia from Horror Versus Reality. Um, they've put that my first horror memory is watching a VHS bootleg or Sam Raimi's short film where he kills the Pillsbury Doughboy and the hamburger um, helper glove. Um, it was with my dad. I was around three or four. So one that's crazy young and it's and it's mad that you've got a memory at three or four years old um but I mean I do as well so you know I'm not saying anything there but once again horror stays with you and you remember it um and what better memory to have from that young is Sam Raimi um scaring everyone to sleep um and then the last one uh, that I've got for just for this podcast as well um so we got Hey Zebel from Spaceman and the Doll podcast. Uh, make sure you go and check them out. My first time was Scream. I uh, must have been eight or nine uh, and I watched it, and, it was fa- and I was fascinated by it. Uh, I didn't understand any of the references, but over the years I've seen all the f- films Scream referenced. And Scream has become one of my favourite franchises uh, in horror history and the horror genre. Um, and... I can absolutely 100% see why. Um, I wasn't a kid. I was like in my teens when I saw a screen. But it still had a massive impact. So yeah, um, I can see why. And as I say, thank you all to those people. And for anyone else that sent me the messages or left a comment of their first time. And if you want to be in the next podcast um, for your first time then i will let you know and i will update everybody on instagram as i always do as to when we're going to be recording next and when you can put your sort of entries in so to speak so i can give you a shout out and speak about your channel and speak about your first experiences with horror because like i say i i do this bit for me because i in real life love having these conversations with people about their first experiences with a horror film so yeah instagram wise that's where everything goes in regards to our main process of this horror world content um i love it i love you know all the interactions i'm having and we're coming up to nearly a thousand followers which is amazing but what i really 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 need is for all of you nearly thousand followers and all the people that actually listen to this podcast and if you do and you listen to it all the way through you know you incredible people that do that for me um i really want to you know make all this worth it i want to expand it i as usual and as i've said for the start i want let's talk horror channel to be more than just this you know i want it to be led by you guys as well as much as I can I want you all to have as much influence on what I do on this as much as we can together because I love doing this but I'm just a fan and I like to sit here and give you my opinions on these movies and I love to hear yours but it's really important that I am able to do that and keep this going so you'll need to give me a reason to keep going and keep doing it. playing your part really is promoting me and let's talk horror as much as you can as well and recently I've been having amazing conversations with people and they've been putting so much much nice messages up um, about the podcasts and you know well this podcast and so on that I've been very grateful Um, but we just need to do everything we can um, to, to get people listening really and Uh, I'll keep doing them because I love it. And I hope you enjoy listening to my passion for these movies. So yeah, subscribe to the YouTube channel. um, Subscribe to the podcast. Go to our Instagram page. um, And you can find everything, content, updates and all that sort of stuff. And anything that I think horror related I can put on there. You know, just go follow us from there. But as usual... I've really enjoyed doing this. I hope you enjoy listening to it. And as usual, stay creepy.